It's another Ian Collins wants a word fact. Powered by the Mitsubishi Mirage. In English, we call the number zero, nil, naught, nada, zilch. With three years 0% APR representative finance, plus three years free servicing on a new Mirage, we just call that a great deal. Ian Collins wants a word. That's why he said you, you couldn't make it up, even if you widened the door. Right. <laughs> Weird. Yeah. Here's an idea, Kev. Yeah? I'm, I've been very, very excited about this all day. Are you ready? I think so. Andre, can we start with this? Well, old Ben Lucas had a lot of mucus coming right out of his nose. He picked and picked till it made you sick, but back again it grows. Everybody! Old Ben Lucas had a lot of mucus coming right out of his nose. He picked and picked till it made you sick, but back We play that for no particular reason. Good. In fact, there is a slight reason. I, w- I went, when I was about 15, uh, we snuck in to an 18 movie, and I can't remember what it was, but, you know, sometimes they used to show support films with the film, up till relatively recently. I've read about this in the annals of history. Yeah, well, this is like in the 80s, okay. so it wasn't that long ago. And for some reason, it was kind of like just a weird mix of comedy. This 20, 30-minute sort of, sketch show right of just weird things just weird bits and pieces it was accompanying whatever the movie was we'd gone to see and within the middle of it um, there's a that guy sitting on a fence with a guitar singing me and my friend thought this was the funniest thing we'd ever heard well you were young however we play this for a very good reason they've actually made working body organs that is our tech monkey, Will <laughs> Guyatt, who's on with us later. He does look like a monkey. He's going to tell... He does. He's going to He's got a tail. He's going <laughs> to tell us stuff... And he's furry. ...that will... And eats bananas. Yeah. And walks on his knuckles. Scratches his own ass. Throws passers-by. All of that. He's going to tell us something that might scare us about the world of technology. Oh. Yeah. Scary tech. Scary like tech. Like Terminator. That's... The feature, Scary Tech. Scary Tech. Why is nobody doing Scary Tech? Well, we are now. Have you got some questions, Kev? Questions and feedback via a time capsule buried by a school in 1974 whilst on Blue Peter. Exciting. Which we've recently unearthed to bring you such excellent questions as... Heathcliff says, Last week you had LaDonna on. We did. Can you have her on every week? She's currently my favourite American. (laughs) Is she yours? If not, who is? Uh, Mine is still George Bush, because he said stuff like this. There's an old saying in Tennessee, I know it's in Texas, probably in Tennessee, that says, fool me once, shame on, shame on you. It fooled me, we can't get fooled again. What's not to like? Kev. Tom Selleck. (laughs) Tom Selleck. Who is Tom Selleck? Tom Selleck is in something at the moment, isn't he? Something big. Blue Bloods, it's called. That's it. And it's like, uh, it's just on. (laughs) Put it on, it's just on. It's just on. And he's in it for probably about five minutes. And the rest of the time, it's one of new kids on the block running around with a dodgy accent. Sons of Anarchy. Tom Selleck's not in that. Have you seen it? No. 
Right. Should he be in it? No, but... Because I have this theory that every programme would be improved if Tom Selleck was in it. I'd love to see him in Coronation Street. Yeah. You're out there, son, you big moustached old f***er. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, love, it's in from Magnum. You could improve any, any show you want to just by having Tom Selleck showing up in it for Brilliant. five minutes. Yeah. I love the idea, the George Allagaya reading the news <laughs> and then suddenly just sidling in from the left of the screen. Yeah. Tom Selleck. Doesn't have to say anything. No. Just walks in, you know, has a look at the camera, walks back out again. Yeah. So, He's the nicest man in America. I think it would be also funny if on Crime Watch, Kirsty Young, when she's talking to a copper and says, so tell us, Chief Superintendent, uh, when you discovered the body of Nicky the guinea pig, uh, what were your first thoughts? And then just standing in between them, nodding sagely, Tom Selleck. He does do a brilliant sagely nod. It does. It's true. He should be president of the world. <laughs> From Anne. Anne says, have any of your readers eh, ever huh? met another listener by accident? I think Anne's confused. She means listeners, but she said readers. It's like when people would phone up uh, and say, um, hello, Ian. I really like your show. Have any of your viewers seen this? Yeah. I, I, the other one is when people talk about your radio show and they mean your radio station. Mm. Uh, that happens, oh, I always listen to your show. Oh, really? What bit do you like? Uh, Nick Ferrari. Yeah. Right, it's not my show, it's somebody else's show. Um, pay attention. Or when people would phone up and you'd say, Simon, you're on station name, and they'd say, Hello, Simon. Oh, that's my favourite, every <laughs> time. all the time. Every time. All right, Nick. Morning, Nick. No, you're Nick. All right, sorry. <laughs> Off they go. Yeah. Uh, Anne says, Have any of your readers met another listener by accident? I was sitting next to someone on the train who was listening to Once a Word on their iPhone. Ah, see, that's nice. Yeah. I was going to strike up a conversation with them about my favourite podcast, but they didn't look very impressed. In fact, he was tutting quite a lot. I've seen a couple of people listening to the uh, the podcast yeah. on the train. I've also done the thing of listening to the podcast myself mm -hmm. and somebody sitting next to me. Because the pod obviously, if you listen to the podcast on your phone and you've got the phone in your hand, a massive image of the podcast artwork comes up. And on that image, it's a picture of me yes. looking very much like the bloke holding the phone. <laughs> so I can't really get away from that because no. these sort of specs and uh, the old high barnet give it away a bit. So I, I, I've wondered that sometimes. That's a bit tricky. So I try to hide the picture from punching up our podcast. But then mostly, I tend not to listen to it, frankly. <laughs> well, why would I? Fair play to you. I know what happens next. If you've encountered another... Uh, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> if you've encountered another Once a Word listener... How about you drop us a line on Twitter at, what are you again? Ian College UK. Yep. At Sideshow underscore Kev or Ian at onceword.com, Kev at onceword.com and we'll do a little survey and we'll see if people are actually who's listening and what they're doing. Nice. Exciting. From Hector, the chicken inspector. <laughs> Andre, <laughs> give me some chickeny music. <laughs> That's a chicken inspector. Hector, the chicken inspector asks... <laughs> Have you ever eaten raw chicken? I have. It's not nice. <laughs> it will make you ill. I say this on the back of your previous episode about poultry. What? <laughs> I think, uh, Hector, have you been listening to the RSPCA podcast? You listen to something. Or the Tropical Diseases podcast? Or the Don't Eat Manky Poultry podcast? I can honestly uh, assure Hector, the chicken inspector, that, to my knowledge, we might have talked about chicken because we talk about the Colonel's finest from time to time. Well, you do. Well, yes, I mean, who, who doesn't? However, uh, I'm not aware that we've ever talked about eating raw chicken. 
Isn't it funny? You can eat. Why can you eat raw? It's a good question. Though. Why can you eat raw beef? Yeah. So you could buy a, a box of mints from yeah. the supermarket, and mm -hmm. you could, if you wanted to eat it, and you would come to no harm. You might get a bit sickly, but you can eat it because you can eat raw steak, can't you? Ah, but you see, this is the thing. When it comes to meat, I like my meat well done, and if it's if it's a little bit raw or oh, a little bit right. bloody. Then that would make me ill. Well, okay, it wouldn't make you ill, would it? You just wouldn't like it. No, no, it. but but the sight of it would make me. Ill. Right, okay. So you can eat raw steak because there is a, such a dish. There is yeah, a yeah. dish that is just. It's called raw steak. It's called raw steak. Yeah. Yes, it's uncooked. The uncooked version. Yeah. But raw mince is, I, I assume, the same deal really. That you could could if you wanted to eat it, but you can't eat raw chicken. Whereas a dog can eat raw chicken, I think. Food confuses me though. I only found out the other day, and it's not something I would do very often. But you know, if you got a bit of rice. And you've enjoyed some rice, perhaps, with a takeaway. Yes. You're not supposed to reheat it. If you reheat it, it can make you devastatingly ill. Did yeah, you know but that? isn't that... Like... No, but how did I not know this? I was talking to a group of people, and they were like, oh, yeah, that's, everybody knows that. Yeah, but they're not talking about... Surely, if you, so you order a takeaway, the takeaway shows up, and you've got a curry and you've got some rice. Yeah. You can heat it up there and then, can't you? You can stick it no, in the you're oven. you're not supposed to. Yeah, but that's like saying you can't... Like, I buy... If I go to the Colonel's parlour, yeah. by the time I get home, yeah. that... Poultry needs some reheat. Ah, but that's different. But you're the, not the, rice, the rice can make you just ill. It will make you as just, ill as raw chicken. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, true story. Okay. I spoke to a scientist about it earlier. Did you I'll speak to Hector the Chicken Inspector, though? He's my favourite chicken can we inspector. Go can we Google Hector the Chicken Inspector? Because we should make a podcast for him. We should? Yeah. That's a good idea. Hector's Chicken Inspection. This week, giblets. From Jose the Ghost. Jose says, my mate John took the piss out of me for saying I taped something. I, of course, meant I recorded it on Sky Plus, but that seemed like a mouthful. Is there an accepted 2014 equivalent uh, of taping that isn't clunky? Oh, I've got to tell you. No, I tell you what's... Because I do find it weird when somebody says, I taped that. So my mum will say, I taped that. But everyone knows what you mean. Yeah, everyone knows what you mean. But I tell you what I find just as weird is when somebody says, I Sky Plused it. Again, that's a mouthful. So you may as well say taped. Sky Plused it. Well, yeah. well, I usually say recorded. But then record, but taped is shorter and faster. Taped is, yeah. Snappy. That's true. Sky Plused is, is kind of interesting. That It's got into the vocabulary zeitgeist. Has so it, though? Because I think people just still say taped. I think taped has become that sort you of You say taped because you hang around tape. with old people. No, I don't. Yes, uh, you do. I say digitally downloaded. <laughs> Constantly. Hanging around with all the people. It? I don't go to a home every weekend. Yeah. Sit and watch Countdown. When does your case come up, by the way? Next week. I'll be there to support you, Kev. Bingo Wing... <laughs> Bingo Wings asks, is nothing sacred? Is that it? Yeah. Okay. No. And finally, Esther, from Phil. Which tune is your guilty pleasure? I reckon Kev has some Simply Red tucked away somewhere. <laughs> no. Right, Simply Red, are they a credible band? No. I would agree with you, but then you look at the sort of mass amounts of success that Simply Red had. Do they? They don't sit there in the same vein as, I don't know, Justin Bieber, do they? They did have some American success, but they were different. I mean, it was like, it's, it was a different time, really. And it's like, God, come I don't really want to talk about Simply Red. They were awful. Sorry. Uh, guilty pleasure? I, I don't mind the odd bit of, like, quality dance music. Because I like a lot of rock music, but I quite like the odd bit of... i give you a dance music, um, or pop dance, yeah, popular and This isn't music. one about someone with lots of mucus, is it? Uh, no, it's C.C. Uh, Peniston, finally. Right, okay. Which is a really good pop dance song. Yep. Um, Guilty Pleasure, Kylie Minogue, Better the Devil You Know, right. is a finely written pop tune. And in fact, I heard that quite recently on something, and I thought, actually, that goes from guilty pleasure to just pleasure. I should be so lucky, however, it's a crock of shit. 
But Stock Aiken and Waterman still haven't had their dues yet properly, because all they did was take the Motown formula of writing a song in 20 minutes and lobbing it out the door. Motown's always regarded as these great classics God of soul why. music. Some of it is dreadful. It's just pop music, and some it was of produced it is in dreadful. the same way. Yeah, some of the Stevie Wonder stuff. You know, Martha Reeves and the Vandellas were not as good as the Spice Girls. Let's just get that out there, OK? <laughs> so you've, you've got all of those kind of uh, merge. In fact, 60s as well. Herman's Hermits. Yeah. That sounds like the sort of thing you get down at the... I mentioned tropical diseases. <laughs> I do apologise, sir, but I want you been diagnosed with Herman's Hermits. ITV launched the Night Network. Work, and they would they have uh, they'd have uh, James Whale did a program, and you'd have people yeah. just sitting around doing stuff, and, yep. and they'd always have these weird adverts for stuff, and there would probably be an ad at that point, you know, with a very somber music and a calm voiceover going, "Have you or anyone in your family been affected by Herman's Hermits?" You don't have to be a lone voice. <laughs> Call us now one eight hundred Hermits. You're right, John. Yeah, I'm just back from the clinic. Got. A Dose of Herman's Hermit. <laughs> it is those areas of life that may well be microscopic in their significance, but they are those small moments that hurt your cranial department, those tiny acts of human behaviour that send you into a zone of sheer frustration. There are those who will tell you to get over it. Jog along, these fools will say. Minor as they may be, these are things that will effortlessly screw up your day. They are random acts of irrational annoyance. Kev! I have to go. Firstly, you know you have comment sections on the internet. I don't know if you're aware of this, but people freely express themselves on the internet quite oh, a lot. Oh, do they? Yes. But someone will make a joke, yep. and the joke is pretty lame, if we're honest about it. I mean, <laughs> we're no connoisseurs of comedy on this podcast. Definitely not. But you would always have these people who would sort of, like, uh, you know, make a joke, and then somebody does, LOL, you've won the internet. No, they haven't! Who has given you the right to give someone the internet for the day? Just is this, a, is this a sort of a, a, a an internet riposte? It's something the kids say if they're impressed. Oh, you win the internet for a really lame joke. My problem uh. and my annoyance with it isn't so much <laughs> the fact that somebody made a bad joke. It is annoying. It's the fact that somebody took it upon themselves to have ownership of the internet That's at bad. that moment and gave it to somebody That's else. That's bad. Stop it. My other one is, and this is something I've noticed quite recently, and you may not have noticed it, but this is something which you have to look out for whenever anyone is in front of you in a queue or whatever else. For some reason, and it really annoys me because I see it so many times, let's say you're in Marks and Spencers, and you know Marks and Spencers have those wacky queue things yeah. and you queue up and whatever, and you have the pin machine, and the pin machine is mounted on the sort of... Correct. You, you put your card in. Yeah. For some reason, people put their card in, they put in the number, it says payment accepted or whatever, yeah. and the cashier will say, you can remove your card now. And so many people take the card out, and as they're doing so... They do a little bow, like a little curtsy. Watch for this. Seriously? I, I've only just noticed it. They don't just pull it out and put it in their pocket. They do a little sort of dip. And it's like, I, I, do you respect so does the, the machine? Dip, this is facet. So this is bodily choreography. I've just, so I, they do the dip as the card is removed or yeah, while as, removing as the card? Yeah, just as they're pulling the card out, it's like a little sort of... A little sort of curtsy, almost. A little sort of dip. And I don't think people realise they do it. But you should stop it, because well, it's annoying. Hang on, I'm going to... Just before I come to my own one, then I'll, I'll skip... Because this ties in. We, I think we've probably had this about half a dozen times, but it's always worth repeating. This comes from Cool Hand Luke, who says, People on the trains who open the window when it's minus two outside, I know you've covered this before, yep. but it can't be said enough. You should get fined for this like you would if you graffitied the carriage. I, I, I'm with him on this. One of the things that happens, though... And the other day, there was a classic British moment when I was on a train. It was freezing, 
everybody was in there already with their hats and gloves and uh, nice winter coats. There was no heating in the particular carriage. Family got on, went to sit down, and as the guy sat down, he opened the window. Right. Now, uh, this was clearly annoying, and being British, nobody said anything. Now, this is the equivalent, of course, of driving down the road in your car mm. at 70 miles an hour in the winter with your window open. You simply wouldn't do it. But what's fascinating, much like the card machine, which mm-hmm. is why I mentioned it here, is that the guy that opened the window, I don't think knew he opened the window. I think he did it in that sort of that kind of auto-suggestion thing. Oh, gotcha. Some people are programmed that when they get on a train... Um, almost because I suppose they feel people are looking at them. There's certain things they do, you know, they, you know, people stretch, scratch their head, open the window, sit down. I think he did it in that capacity. How strange. Because I I can't imagine why anybody would have opened a window at that point. And when he, you could tell sort of as he did it, that he wasn't really aware. It was almost sort of zombie-like. It was a reflex rather than a desired move. People are curious, aren't they? They are. Here's my random act of rational annoyance, although I should have put this really on the, uh, last week, on the you're being a dick feature, because you know that thing of when you're driving in your car and an advert comes on on the radio and it has a siren on it or the sound of a car crashing? Now, this is interesting. I know exactly what you mean, but I was always told back when I first started uh, doing stuff in radio, you weren't allowed to do that. Correct. For exactly the reasons that you're going to say. Yeah, now. yeah. Well, this is a, a variant on that, but it didn't happen in a car. It happened in a car park, actually, right. in Salford, Greater Manchester. A couple of weeks ago, and I was up there. And uh, it's early in the morning, which maybe has a, a fa- an effect on this. And I don't know who, who's behind uh, this ad campaign, but uh, so I, I'm very, very tired. I, I've been up since five o'clock. I've only had about four hours sleep. And I go to the car park. I get in a lift, which is kind of in a very quiet area. So it's a bit, I'm already a little bit aware of the fact that it's very early. No one's around. Mm. It's an empty car park. And I'm getting in a clanky old lift. And I get in and I walk in. I don't I press the button for the second floor, which is where the car is parked. I don't look behind me as the doors close. But then I turn around only to see a life-size picture of Jude Law on the back of the lift door. Now, I don't know what the f*** he was advertising, H&M or something or other, right. but I'm telling you, if you didn't know that was there and you turn around, I shat my <laughs> pants. I absolutely bricked it at that moment. In fact, it was completely lost on me that it was Jude Law. All I saw at that moment as I turned around was another person. Yeah. standing in the lift that wasn't there when it left the ground floor. Oh, man. That was not good. That no. was a proper heartbeat moment. Did you punch the door? No, but I did cry a little bit oh. with fear. Uh, Jim Bob in London, I don't know if it's that Jim Bob, Might says, uh, I'd like to nominate IDS for crimes against the poor. This man is interested in saving money, not saving people. There's a funny thing about... No, in fact, that, no, no, no. I'm, you have to lay oh. that accolade at the, at the, at the feet of... Ed Balls. Ed Balls. Yeah, Ed Balls. Ed Balls. Uh, IDS isn't, actually. IDS doesn't give a monkeys about the moolah, which is why George Osborne hates him. Mm. And he hates George Osborne. Because IDS would rather... There was no cuts financially to welfare. But what he does advocate is a, a almost evangelical belief in sort of tough love. The theory behind it is a little spiritual. It's that every human is is worth something, so even with lost cases. And the only way you get those lost cases who have habitually been on welfare is that you have to make that welfare even more difficult to obtain. Gotcha. And in doing so, you get people back to work. So that's the theory behind it. So people hate... 
Duncan Smith. I can see why people hate Duncan Smith, but it annoys me because I think they hate him for all the wrong reasons. I hate Duncan Smith because I happen to know that he's a bit of a... Wag, wag, oops. <laughs> but uh, I don't hate him for his welfare reforms because I think his heart's in the right place. But whether he's got the right way of doing it, the mistake he's made is that he thinks he can do it in about four years and it will probably take... 24 years to do what he wants to do, by which time he'll be out of office and dead. Uh, <laughs> this comes from Manny, the blue-nosed fool. He says, my roundabout to rational annoyance is people on Twitter who try and have conversations with celebrities. Yep. Uh, if any are listening, stop it. The rich and famous hate you. They look down on you. They would eat you for breakfast and piss in your silly clown shoes. Desist! Yeah, it's not that bad. Some of them do get a reply. But you have weird things, like when um, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman passed away um, yep. a week or so ago. It was very sad. But you'd have all of these sort of like Hollywood actors and, and producers and all that kind of thing sort of saying, R.I.P., finest actor of our generation, so on. And you would sort of look down the comments and people, or the other tweets, and people would say, yeah, very sad, brilliant actor, loved him in this, whatever. And then there's always one twat who pipes up and says, hi there, any chance of a retweet? I'm running a marathon, or yeah. something like that. <laughs> and you think, notice me. Be uh, my friend. Yes, yeah. I did have a, a tweet from a guy once who said, you won't believe what's just happened to me. I've just had a conversation with Russell Crowe. And he pointed me to the point on Twitter where he did have a conversation with Russell Crowe. Right. And it was really good. He got into this. He'd watched some kind of film um, or documentary about sort of Aboriginal uh, hunting or something. Yeah. And Russell Crowe had responded and said, actually, mate, this is what they used to use and this is what they did. And he got into this probably about 12 tweets each way. Wow. And it was from Russell Crowe. Which he got off on. Oh, that's fair, dudes. Russell Crowe's quite cool. Did they get married after that? Yeah, or something? they see each other all the time. Oh. This from Mike K. He says, uh, at the moment, HMRC have a radio ad with a loony woman with a speech impediment that sees a weasel in a hedge asleep. <laughs> I haven't heard that. I haven't heard it. And I work in radio. This was this a dream? I don't know. I like the idea, Mike. Yeah, well, I'll I can see it where they're going. Uh, Mick the Brit. Pedestrian traffic lights going red when nobody is there. Yeah. Here's a good one from Joe. When you buy glassware or crockery, and I'll add wooden um, products to this as well, like a wooden spoon, mm. and the price tag or barcode leaves a sticky mark that won't wash off. you very true. Do the people that make that stuff, do they not road test that shit? Do they not say, not actually, the... right, we're making something here, and we're going to put a sticker on it that will actually ruin the product. Mm. You won't ever be able to wash it off fully. I did buy a wooden spoon where that happened. <laughs> you, you had to... I, You're always buying wooden spoons. Sound, there's something very odd in isolation, saying you've bought a wooden spoon. <laughs> yes. I'm going to town. Why are you going to town? I need to buy a wooden spoon. And yet, you can never, ever find a wooden spoon as good as your mum's. Why is that? That's very true. Darren James, idiots who take forever at a cash point, put the card in, input pin, cash amount, job done. Not rocket science. Phil says... Ah, and when they take the card out, little curtsy. Little curtsy, of course. Uh, Self-ads on the BBC says, Phil, Adam's got three. Number one, so here's the thing. Number two, monkey to describe an ape. Number three, typing on an iPhone. I like that. Yep. And this in from Confluence of Life on Twitter, who says, people who say hashtag makes me want to chew my own face off. Hashtag, thank you. Very nice. Kev, have you got... Oh, yeah, you have. I do. Great. And you know, I like to flatter you. I mean, your taste is obviously impeccable, and you know what you want from life, which is exactly why you should be driving a Mitsubishi Shogun. And the good news is, you can now save up to five 
£1,000 on this ultimate 4x4, with prices starting from just 26199 and 0% finance available across the range. You've just got to check it out for yourself. Pop by mitsubishi-cars.co.uk slash Shogun for some very special offers. Shogun, always capable, surprisingly affordable. I mean, when I said have you got, I didn't really think that, yeah, you actually, you know, had it with you, you, today. You're very much a man of technology. God, you're not wrong. You're always online. Yeah. You can't take a sh** without being on the internet. Yeah, I've even got an app for that. You use Twitter on the sh** You tweet on the seat. Which is why you'll enjoy Sideshow Kev's Guide to Internet Protocol. Andre! Andre! I think he's gone off to the toilet himself. Andre! Press a button! Play some music! It's not just daft LOLs and SMHs. The kids are also using weird number and letter combinations online and in texts so their parents don't know what they're on about. Because, you see, parents think they're very savvy when it comes to all these internet acronyms, but the reality of the situation is the kids are on to them. For example, 143. What would 143... If you got a text or a um, short message on Twitter and it said 143... What would 143 mean? 143. 143. 143. Well, it would have to be... So, clearly, it's the corresponding numbers on the dial, I guess. Uh, well. Which would mean... Hang on. Shall I have a look at a phone here? If you want to. Oh, I can't even get my own password. <laughs> Let's have a look. No, because 143, there is... One doesn't have any numbers with it. Shall I tell you what it is? Go on, then. 143. I is one letter, love is four letters, and you... It's three letters, so 143 would mean I love you. You with me? No. I'll say it again. <laughs> I on. is one letter. I So one is I. Yeah. Yeah. Love has four letters in it. Oh, I see. And you has three letters. You're a parent. That's bollocks. No, but you're a parent now. I'm giving you this advice so that, you know, when young Sandy grows up, you will, you'll be on to him with his yeah. little numbers and stuff. Doesn't always work like that. Sometimes it's a combination of numbers and letters just to fool parents. Great. 182. What would 182 mean? 182. Well, let me check out my phone, shall I? Let's it, see. It may not uh, help. 182. Love and tender care. Genius. The actual answer is I hate you, but only because 182 sounds a little bit like I, I hate, hate you. you. Try this one. 14AA41. One, what would that mean? 4AA41. 422. This will be a quiz on ITV before you know one, it. 14AA41. H22. H20. <laughs> H high speed 2. Do not build the high speed 2 link uh, because it will carve up the countryside. It's the correct answer. Thank you. Or you could also say one for all and all for one. Oh. Really? Four. Anybody put that in there? Does anybody ever use that? The kids do. You say the kids do. What, you mean you do? I don't. The kids do. You do. I've had texts from write... you with just random numbers no. on. Now oh. I know. I write all my texts in a longhand with perfect punctuation and semicolons. Yes. You text with a quill. Four C-O-L. Four C-O-L. Four C-O-L. No idea. Four, crying out loud. Four, C, C, O, L, crying out, yeah, okay. 
You'll know this one because I bet you get it a lot. Hang on, four C O R. This now for, for crying out loud, I think is a British expression. Yes. So I'm guessing that that uh, text abbreviation is not. A lot of this stuff is often Yankee based because you can kind of see what they've done because they were using, of course, phone number uh, letters way before uh, we ever. Yeah, were. true. They, that's why they do that whole you know one eight hundred plumber that we were just alluding to. Yeah. Um, but but that crying out, I think for crying out loud is very very British. So I think the Brits have invented some of this crock of nonsense. That's an excellent observation. Anyhow. I'm sure you get this one a lot, though. Go on. 8BZ4UQT. Oh, that means uh, don't call me again. Too busy for you, QT. Right. I don't know why you'd send that. What's How about the QT this one? for? QT. Oh, QT. QT. As in C-U-T-I-E? Yes. All right, okay. Yeah. Four. I'd just write back, thank you. Quack, quack. Oops. Would I get away with that? I'm sure, there's a number there somewhere. Four N R. Four N R. Four not. You can do this. No, no, run it. Say again. Four N R. Run it together quickly. Four N R. 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 Yes. He's a foreigner. He's a foreigner. It's what UKIP use when they're exchanging discussion from Bongo Bongo Land. Do we like him? No, he's foreigner. Lol. And finally, Esther. Eight. It means eight. I ate. Eight. I ate my dinner. Well, you're close. Uh, it means I ate, but in a uh, sexual manner. Does it? Yes. Okay. Mm. Sexual manner. Sexual manner. Sexual. They're the old... <laughs> that's the one. Really? Yeah. Oh. So it's numerical noshing. That's exactly what it is. Okay. They're also playing the Electric Ballroom on Saturday. Their I, new album's fantastic. I've got tickets and everything. We've got Will Guyatt on the Ooh. way. Uh, I hope he's in a good mood. Never. I promised you technology yeah. and all the gubbins, Kev. Mm-hmm. So we thought, who do we get on? Who knows his beans? Yep. Professor Brian Cox. Oh, he'd be good. Yeah. 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 Uh, the old fella that used to present Tomorrow's World. Oh, he. Oh, yeah. 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 Bamba Gascoin. Gascoin. Yeah. Oh. Uh, Let's it. get Will Guy. <laughs> Will is our tech correspondent. Why would we not? How are you, Will? Good evening. I was you were going through an illustrious list there. I thought <laughs> to myself, I rank pretty low on this. Let's be honest, but no. it's good to speak to you. No, but listen, it's always good to speak to you because we've got. Last time we spoke, I think we did. Um, we did mention. I'm sure we mentioned 3D printers. It is the single thing that on the podcast, whenever we mention tech, we get emails and uh, all manner of tweets about 3D printers. You and I. Uh, I've talked about this quite a lot. Let, let's just cut to the chase. What's happening with the 3D printer? And for those who don't know what the hell one is, explain. OK, uh, so everybody's talking about 3D printing. There's a lot of discussion going on around it. The devices themselves are getting cheaper and cheaper. Uh, what is 3D printing? Just imagine the idea of when you printed something onto a piece of paper. So you were at one point printing words onto a piece of paper. With a 3D printer, you're actually printing objects. So let's say, for example, you wanted to print a, um, like a, a kid's, the kind of like the plastic toy soldier that you got um, in, in the cereal boxes when you were a kid. Oh, yes. That's kind of the level of stuff that the home, the home versions aren't that exciting yet, but they you will, can print they will your become own, soon. Y- your own plastic soldiers? You can print, I'm not really making it sound very exciting. What an amazing idea. use of fantastic <laughs> Brilliant. technology. How many soldiers do you want, Kev? I'll just put punch in number seven into the thing and make you seven soldiers. What, what, I'm, what I'm trying to say, whilst you idiots take the piss out of it, is that these, 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 <laughs> things, are meant, 
these, these things essentially <laughs> enable you to um, create stuff in three dimensions. Um, at the moment, um, like I said, home usage is fairly basic, but they're being used increasingly in industry for prototyping and making, you know, like samples of new products. So is it true that somebody is using this technology to make like hip replacement stuff? Yeah, there's there's tons so of different examples of like yeah, real real life use. So it's being used to replace the ball of the hip joint, sure. which apparently is always the most tricky bit of the hip joint to get right on people. So they're matching people's hip joints. And there was a case in the states about six months ago where somebody had really really bad damage to their skull, and what they actually did was recreated, three D printed, uh, and printed their head. Yeah, Brilliant. They printed their head. They've actually made working body organs from a three D printer. It's still very. If 3D printing is in its infancy, this kind of yep. genetic printing is even more in its infancy. And what they've managed to do is make uh, print, essentially print a liver and a liver that worked for four months. Uh-huh. And um, they've also uh, done a windpipe for a two-year-old that had a really bad accident. But they've, they've printed, 3D printed with his stem cells, this windpipe. And it's actually going to grow in his body and they won't ever need to do anything else That's with it. Because his body assumes it's part of him. There so- you go, Kev. You will get that new penis. <laughs> <laughs> Just at not, last. Just not yet. What, what, what's fascinating, of course, is that at the moment, you, you can't just stick something in and say copy it, much like, what was that thing called that you could, um, for, you, you, that contraption that you could draw something with? So you, you, you put a pencil in one bit and it was connected to an arm. And you well, like a spirograph. Yeah, you traced. It was a spirograph. You Could traced be. around something, and then it drew it. No, a spirograph did spirals, like a graph. Hence yeah. Spirograph. Well, there was another. Do you know the thing I'm talking about, Will? Gentlemen, you are talking about the pantograph. The pantograph. The no, pantograph. It can't it be it was called a What's that? Some kind of pervy device. <laughs> it was called. A- that's Back to the, the plastic official, penis. That's the official name. I don't know what the, the brand the name is. Pantograph. Talking about from the 1950s when you were knocking it. Right? Obviously, so will yes. I'm obviously, not, I'm not entirely sure. Yeah. Look, Will Clark does comedy as well now, everybody. <laughs> not just technology. So not what's happening well. here? So at the moment, you can't just print anything you like. But the, the point I make, Will, is that I'm pretty sure that at some point that's exactly what you will be able yeah, to do. Yeah, and you know what? That's going to be the real headache for everybody because you, you kind of like go down the market on a Sunday now and you find a pair of bootleg sunglasses and they're not quite the same as the original ones. It will eventually get to the stage where you will be able to copy something Clearly. one-to-one, which is going to give people a real headache. It's going to give companies a headache. Um, the other thing that's quite interesting with the whole um, the sort of the 3D printing um, and, and the way this is developing. The crazy thing is, eventually, in a 3D printer will be able to replicate itself. It will be able to get to oh, that level of detail. Too... This is kind this, of, this has got some sort of Romero flick written all over it, isn't yeah. it? The, the, the printers that print the printers. Some Self-replicator. Sentient, yes. Sentient self-replicating printer. But um, when we first started talking about these about two years ago, uh, the 3D printer for the home, which you really needed to be somebody like Brian Cox to work, would have been about four and a half, five grand. You can now get one from a company called MakerBot, who are a US company. Um, they sell one for about 1,500 quid now, which you plug into your PC. And okay. you can kind of get simple designs for it to print. You don't need to do anything other than say, I want to print this item and click the button and press print. So they're getting far and far easier to use. You can go to Asda, the supermarket. I think they've got about 40 locations across the UK. You can get a 3D scan of your body, 
and you can actually get that printed as a figure, like a toy. Yeah, if you keep telling me this, I go into Asda. I've never seen one of these things. You're making it up, guy. No, look online. If you look online, so hang on, you're telling me that, like, in the same way that you you you, ha- you know you get take that dolls. And Justin Bieber dolls. You can get a Sideshow Kev doll. You yeah, can get exactly. a Sideshow Kev I go down to the Asda store, I have to take Kev with me, and yeah. say, stick him in a box and make him. <laughs> and yeah. I will walk out with a Barbie-style Sideshow. It will cost you 40 quid, and it will take about a week to be delivered. Well, but that's, just, that's extra. 40 quid is nothing. You would think no. that, that would be sort of 400 quid. Yeah, but yeah. has it got realistic gripping hands and eagle eyes? Because otherwise it's just not worth it. <laughs> Good point. And that furry, the furry hair as well, that would be incredible. They start at 40 quid, the really good ones are about 90 quid. And it's Hang on, what, so what do you get for for 90 that you don't get for 40? <laughs> does, it, uh, get, does it not have a face? You get quite you get quite a few more inches, I think, is the... Hey, uh, back to that again. <laughs> well, we I think we have to go to Asda, Kevin. Let's go there now. Out. I'm off. Is it every Asda store? No, you go online, you do a search for Asda 3D printing on the internet, that thing that you go to Google for. Um, Why have we not met people, then? Wouldn't everybody go, oh, I've got my plastic doll? Everybody would have no, their own replicated they, they, they doppelganger. I think they've trialled it in a few okay. stores, but they're rolling out in more and more, and this will yep. become more of a common thing. And you'll see shops on the high street soon doing this kind of stuff. OK. Listen, we were doing a phone-in the other day about uh, it was a thing about global warming, and a guy called, and he was saying that one of the, one of the reasons, it's not that it's a conspiracy theory, because often and it's said by our political masters, you know, that you need this and we, you know, we have to have because man-made global warming is responsible for all the terrible things that are going to go on and Folkestone will be under the sea by 2030, which frankly is no bad thing if you've been to Folkestone lately. But the point being that it's man-made and some people argue against that. We know about that theory. This fellow called in and he said, you know, there's a bunch of things that are... Uh, at stake here, and that is that we've stopped inventing things. Uh, we've, you know, there's never going to be a, a motor car era again. There's never going to be a, an air travel era again. We're never going to have the sort of Babbage-style computer era again. It's all been done. So we need green technologies as almost a new stream of innovation and manufacturing. So uh, maybe a conspiracy, but I, I kind of get where the guy was coming from. But it did make me think that when he said this, I thought, actually, if you trace back the last eight models of your Apple phone. Mm. Yeah. They're pretty much the same deal, aren't they, really? Other than a, they tweak a few things here, they bung on a new app, they give you a little added element of some nonsense, but broadly speaking, it's the same phone for the last six years. Yeah, I think it's fair to say you're right that the iPhone is still largely... You wouldn't look at a 2007 iPhone and think there was a great deal of difference, apart from the new one is a bit thinner, a bit sexier. Um, and has a slightly better quality screen. In terms of how it works, apart from the speed of the internet, which is down to the internet, the faster speed of the internet not being invented yeah. at the time, there's very little involved, very little difference between the, the first generation uh, iPhone and the, uh, and, and the current version. So the thing I think is happening, um, mobile phone companies are desperately looking for innovation at the moment, hence why people like LG and Samsung are doing bendable mobile phones and all this sort of crap that nobody wants. Nobody wants a bendable no, phone. Nobody, no, exactly, you are right. Nobody wants one of those, yet they cannot make the, biggest, the bigger leaps in battery and all of the other kinds of things that they need to do to make smaller, different form factor sized devices. They're essentially, it's, we're in this weird period where they are just making inventions for invention's sake. Sure because they're trying to encourage people so in, to buy in, the phone. in a way, you, you understand the theory that, you know, we've stopped inventing. Well, I wouldn't go as far as to saying we've completely stopped inventing, because if you look at all this kind of movement in the 3D printer sector that we've just talked about, the innovation there is lifting along at an alarming rate. So, sure. But what I think will happen... Um, 
in terms of like uh, mobile devices and other kinds of things, uh, something new has to happen. And whether it is wearable technology, we keep talking about smartwatches and fitness yep. devices. Nobody's buying them at the moment. If Apple come out with something, I reckon the rest of the industry might see a bit of a pick-me-up. But the fact, the very fact that Apple hasn't released that device when they've been hinted to be doing it for about two or three years probably gives you an impression that Apple don't think there's a market for it. Wearable technology. The eye pants. That's what's missing, isn't it? <laughs> well, you know, I don't what, know what having, you do with them, but... <laughs> it's back to the plastic played, penis again. <laughs> having, played, um, having played with a Google Glass, that's one such example of an yeah, item that, yeah. that has a great idea, but it's not, the technology is not there for it to be something that's awesome. The idea sure. that Google are going to do this contact lens, now, that's going to be the next generation of really exciting stuff. If you can relay video images and kind of all your smartphone data to a contact lens, that's one step closer to becoming Arnold Schwarzenegger in The Terminator. Yeah. That's one step closer to very worrying as well, isn't it? Yeah. We are, uh, Will, we are out of time. Always a pleasure, You, actually, you notice Will said, yeah, then, like he would yeah. just shat himself at the yeah. thought. <laughs> but, oh, I my did. God. <laughs> <laughs> well, we will speak very soon. Uh, don't forget, follow me at Will Guyatt on Twitter, at Will Guyatt on Instagram, and various other places as well. You can find me if you really want to, but it's never that exciting. That's very true. <laughs> <laughs> Will Guyatt, everybody! <laughs> Credit stream. And there you go. Don't forget to sign the visitor's book on the way out. See you in a week's time. Thanks to you for downloading. If you like what we do and want to help support this podcast, get over to iTunes to rate, review, and of course, subscribe. Android users can try us on the free Stitcher app or download stitcher.com slash once a word. Everybody you heard on the show today can be followed on Twitter. So can we, at Once A Word. The in-show feature and sponsor music is by Kevin McLeod. His website is incompetech.com. The show's technical operator, Andre Porch. The programme edited by Helen Bowman. Our intern this week was Wayne Rooney. And today's chunky fat comes from Hamish in Birmingham, who tells me that Yasser Arafat once went shopping in the ballring in Birmingham and bought some shower gel in the body shop. It's got to be balls, hasn't it? Apparently not. Oh, and as ever, the in-show catering was provided by Abdul's Coffee Shack. We're back in exactly one week when we'll be broadcasting live from Lionel Blair's pants. Until then, goodbye. A Big Things Media Production. Big Things! It's another Ian Collins Once a Word Fact. Powered by the Mitsubishi ASX. New car smell is composed of 50 different elements. The new Mitsubishi ASX smells lovely and is yours from just £14,999. That's nothing to sniff at. Well, old Ben Lucas had a lot of mucus coming right out of his nose. Uh, we've got LaDonna on. No, we haven't. <laughs>